and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. It's good to be here talking to you whenever it is you choose to listen to us. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're lying. No, we're Go happy on. for them to be here <laughs> and enjoying our fun, fun things. Uh, knowing you guys is probably going to be some horrible, eternal, nightmarish uh, terror. I Somewhat? might have been able to do that. But I don't think I did it this time. I, I, I was Ugh. trying to be better about not doing it. <laughs> well, no summoning eldritch horrors for every sap lack of palooza. That's do my that. job. I mean, one of mine was a kaiju, so you can't. <laughs> that's not. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Eldritch monster versus kaiju. Yeah, okay. Technically, there is a delineation. See? We'll I give know. you that. We'll give you that. But uh, as uh, Zen and Gardemanger have said, this is Stat Blockapalooza number seven. I can't believe you've done seven Stat of these Blockapalooza. Yeah, yeah. We gotta get Trump. It's just so after you know it, he'd be do 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 do. We pull the do do to the Garmage announces it, you know, a la Renfair, and you know that we get the timpanis going dun 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 dun. Because I'm I'm sorry, it sounds more epic that way. <laughs> if you are new around, sees the GM stat blockapalooza is something we do every so often, where we take the stat block section of the show where we have a system-neutral idea that we've come up with to share with you and do a whole show of them. Each of us picks a topic. The other two have to then have something that meets that topic in one way or another. And we go through the stat block of Palooza and share with you in a grand sense and scale. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, so not only do all of us have to come up with a topic, we have to write three stat blocks based on our topic and the topics of uh, our other two wonderful co-hosts. So sometimes they're hilarious. Sometimes they're, you raise an eyebrow and then you're like, oh, you know what? Yeah. That kind of works. That kind of works. So let's just put it, it's, it's fun. And you know what? As a creative writing exercise, you know, might not be, if you hear some of our topics uh, for this stat block of Palooza or some of our other ones, think about it it's like hey you know what it's just like a couple way back we did one on yeah. kaiju all right so think about your own see if you could do it it's not a bad creative writing exercise you get some creative juices flowing and also after you finish you do have some bragging rights over yeah. your friend like look what i did totally yeah um <laughs> so now before we get into this just as an fyi I have actually been going back through all of the 
earlier episodes and compiling all of the stat blocks that we have done since the beginning from every episode and all of the, because we write all of them up. So once they're all done, I've basically been going back through, pulling every single show up, pulling those stat blocks out, putting them up on a big, one big file. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go through, pick a bunch of them, I think. And basically what I want to do is I want to do like a, a kind of a best of or things that kind of tie together and start putting some of those out as PDFs for, uh, if you're a patron, you would get them for free. But we're also going to take whatever we've written and expand on it so that they're bigger than what they were originally. And then, if you're not a patron, then you can go over to Drive Through RPG and you could purchase it. Just so people know. But enough promoting. What were our th topics that we were supposed to write about? I forget who came up with who this time. Really? Yeah. Oh. Well, I, mean, I forgot who, which of us came up Wait, with which one. what? Okay, so. <laughs> Are you kidding? Uh, He's been busy. Yeah, so have I, but I mean, I know which one I came up with, and I, I remember, but I guess it's because you described where you came from the ideas for. That's why okay. I remember who did what. Yeah. So aliens and not the not the xenomorph. Xenomorphs? Well, I mean it could be if you really wanted to go that way, but it was more the topic of an of alien life forms. Extraterrestrial beyond the beyond yes. the furthest star. And what was yours? <sighs> Sorry. Uh, when the master is away, the minions will play. Mostly because everyone thinks like we do so much stuff with the evil overlords and and the big bad evil guys. And I was just like, well, what about the people that serve mm. that guy? Well, and that means that I was left with fallen empires, which is one of those topics I like to play around with as a recurring theme anyway. So it is uh, unsurprising that's the one I picked. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there are nine stat blocks here. Three from each of us. We do a person, place, and thing. And so let's see. Do we want to stick? Do we want to start with a person, a place, or a thing one? I think we should roll. Oh, the, the thing is, is like mine are not, I guess. Singular they're in. They don't have to be. But sort of. All right, you know what? I'm gonna I'll okay. you know what? I'll kick this thing off. All right. Mine is and I'm using 
person kind of in bunny rabbit ears um <clears throat> and i did for this one it's aliens it's like at first no one was sure what it was an exoplanet survey scene found it crashed into our moons covered in regolith it was a twisty twisted flimsy metal construct pockmarked by innumerable meteoroid collisions so much time was spent analyzing the materials and even longer time scanning and analyzing its structure and guessing at its purpose. Analysis showed its age to be in the billions of years. It was then that we discovered the golden disk. Basic pictograms adorned its surface. Two bipedal creatures. How very strange. Mobility and stability with only two legs. Uh, the lack of body covering was a constant jest among our exobiologists. But still, the full understanding of its nature eluded us. What did the radial symbol mean? And the lines of circles at the bottom. But it was one of our young researchers who noticed the two circles at the top. Originally, we thought them clamp impressions or something kind of inconsequential. And the researcher made an offhanded comment about hydrogen and how it reminded him of one of the images in his collegiate chemistry holobins. Something about transition or something. Hydrogen something or other. We're not sure. But for others, that was the key. And we were able to decipher it, understand it. It was primitive yet effective. And the radial symbol denoted the orbital periods of various pole stars. We've identified those. And it was a bit of an effort to, uh, <clears throat> to identify all of the pulsars referenced. Because some of the periods had drifted. And it was a simple task to kind of turn back the clock, as it were. We found a section of our galaxy that in the distant past was extremely noisy. Specifically in the radio part of the spectrum. Maybe there? But we had a location and a map and a mystery. Maybe this is the proof we have been searching for. That life existed, independent of the Sakurian Empire. That uplifted itself independent, and free from our assistance. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. You aliens, I did a whole freaking empire. Well, no, but that works. That's awesome. Quite cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Oh, I I am glad that you enjoy. <clears throat> so who's next? Who's next? Uh, I'll you go. pick. Yeah, usually it's whoever. All right, I I want Gardner Mange. I want to, I want to hear. I All right, hear I will start from the top. I'm not going to tell you which of the three this is, and let you see if you can figure it out uh, from the description of the Clifaxian Exploratory Duty Station. Cycle minus four Clifaxian standard dates. Exploration is a double-edged sword. There's always a highlight of the Space Secretariat's year when they have fresh contact to crow over and new worlds to show on the vidcast. You'd think that the Space Secretariat's charge to not only explore, but also safeguard the border regions would get more attention. But the attention goes to the exciting and sexy new aliens we found. I really do expect a budget request each and every cycle to get a closer look, but it never hurts re-election to get your picture taken with an alien, does it? 
cycle, minus two Clefaxian standard dates. This time around, it seems like the newest find on the spin side of the border expanse is mostly benign. What could possibly go wrong? They don't even have a warping drive yet, just low-key intrasystem rocket-based propulsion. Simple political structures, or maybe tribal structures, it's hard to tell from the reports the space secretariat lets out into the ether. It's not entirely clear where that, that head evolved, though. It's so small and, and co compact. Eh, perhaps that's why they don't have a more developed space program. It would make sense that these were not truly ready for admittance in, into a larger and, and grander sphere. Cycle null KSD. Whatever else those accursed little monkeys are, they are a pest first and foremost. We should have never let the space secretariat adopt so many of them for study and exchange programs. Exchange programs. That's just what the war secretary's shorthand is for. We don't have to tow them where we're taking them for military purposes. Enough of them managed to escape their captivity. It's been hard to disguise what was going on now. A slave labor isn't going over well, and the fragility of the current dictariat's hold on the economy has been faltering. We should have known better than to think that a version of a hairless ape would be good for something other than documentary vids shot from cloaking. Cycle 297, Uplift Standard Year. It is remarkable to find such well-preserved records or diaries of the previous inhabitants of the planet. Uh, what is perhaps the most revealing or, or worrying is that they seem to be describing us in various ways. Uh, if we were involved in being resettled, relocated, or kidnapped hundreds of years ago, why, why isn't there a better record of it? Is this why we have not made any new star cruisers? Did, did, did we inherit a dead planet or take it away from those bug-eyed pictured life forms like a virus? <laughs> Damn. <clears throat> I think we all started kind of... We, we gotta do this. Our, our brainwaves weirdly start to... You know... Yes, this was my fallen empire ways. one, not my alien one. No, but it was awesome. That's why I was like, ooh. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Zen, well, I guess that just leaves me. Yes. Well, one of your three, please. Okay. Empress Pallid Pedadialeus the First. Who says that the Calfanians are still around? Or, for that matter, any of the line of succession, they were all killed. It was, it was the only way to ensure that the dynasty of the padded alias would truly end. The empire spanned over 200 star systems and was ruled with a fist so tightly held, it was only a matter of time before the other nobles, who had been appointed by the emperor, wanted more. The rules were very simple. If you were a noble, you held the system that you had been given. No more, no less. But that never really works, because the drive and ambition that made those rulers seen by the emperor are the same that made them want more. 
after the coup that leveled the palace, it and with it, the whole line of the emperor, or so they had been told by the ones that had done the actual deed. The stasis pod lid slid into the pod shell. The air washed over the face of a young woman inside. Her clothing was intact, but not really made for the wilds of this planet. She jolted awake as if from a nightmare. The woman tumbled from the pod and emptied her stomach. As her hand touched the palm reader inside the pod, the system spoke. We are sorry to have to tell you this, but you are the only and last survival survivor of the Peadalus Empire. Your world is no more. I have the names of those that have done this, but it has been a century since you were awake, Empress. We will help you teach them that the Empire is still yours. Nice. Well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, I like that very, very, very much. So, there we go. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So, Jules, I say a thing. The Spine of the Black Citadel. It's been once since the Master Tower was locked in some kind of temporal stasis. Initially, we worked as if nothing was amiss. We had our orders, and we performed them dutifully, keeping the tower running in our master's absence. But as the days stretched into weeks, chaos began to creep in. The lack of absolute authority gave rise to chaos, various teams all operating independently, at times unintentionally undermining each other. Something had to change. The head of the research team put out a missive to the rest of the leads. We need to work together or everything will fall apart, leaving our citadel easy pickings for the various warlords. We set up a council of sorts. The leads of various organizations would meet weekly to discuss any issues, set policy, and coordinate efforts. Each team, from magical research to home defense to repair and maintenance, was represented. All issues and concerns could be presented with no fear of reprisal. The only way the Citadel would survive would be if there were no secrets between us. We were able to keep everyone supplied, safe, and cared for as long as knowledge was shared and the lines of communication remained open. And then something strange happened. What initially began as a clumsy way to coordinate Citadel functions became a well-ordered machine. Interorganizational fighting and undermining ceased, and we became a united force each doing their part to defend the Citadel and ensure the prosperity of its occupants. Other warlords attempted to attack the Citadel, only to be repulsed by unanticipated tactics and a ferocity that no one expected. We still continue our work to keep the Citadel safe. We wait for the day that the Master returns to take the Citadel back. If he can. Nice. I like oh, it. Thank you. Glad yeah. that you liked. Make them understand <laughs> their lack of wisdom. 
<laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right, so Garbage, your choice. Person or thing. Automatic bot thing. cleaning deployment. The ABCDs. Line 10. Run diagnostic 1. <laughs> Line 20. Run user input 1. <laughs> Line 30. Error. Line 35. Error. Line 40. Go to line 60. <laughs> Line 50. If you are reading this, we have missed the opportunity to input the safety code on the automatic cleaning system. Please be aware that the automatic cleaning system will no longer accept overrides until programming is complete. Line 60. Run. Sanitize 1. Line 65. Run. Mapper 2. Line 70. Run. Mopper 1. Line 75. Confirm sanitize Mapper 2. Y slash Y. Line 80. Run. Dustbin 1. Line 81. Counter. Dustbin. Plus 1. Line 85. If dustbin equal 10, run flush. Line 90. Counter flush. Plus 1. Line 95. If flush equal 5, run nuke. Line 96. If flush not equal 5, go to 60. Line 100. Confirm nuke. Y slash Y. Line 101. Goodbye. <laughs> oh my god that was hot oh my god snaps oh my god that, that was, was great hilarious i love it that uh, was awesome oh that was good would you like to play a game of thermonuclear war <laughs> <laughs> the only way to win is not to uh, play that was good that was, that was Holy good shit. <laughs> All right. That means it's your turn, Zen. You have to follow yeah. that. <laughs> All right. The Emissary Protocol. Slipping between the layers of the planet's atmosphere was easy for the object. It was more of a filament than a massive object like you see in the holovids on the networks. Once, it ma once its mass had gotten through the atmosphere, it was quickly collected by some intelligence and wrapped until it became a sphere roughly three meters in diameter. Then it started spinning like a ball of twine, reeling in the rest of the filament. Not all of it had made its way on the planet, as it were. More and more collected, it was pushing itself quickly into the sphere. Once it got to the size of 81 meters, it then shifted again in its shape. And this was when the planet's defenses were made aware of its presence. But it was too late. It was already here. At this point, the shape changed into what looked like a spike of metal. It was still in the atmosphere, but then it let gravity take hold and it plunged to the surface. Something the locals were not aware of was that it had been very careful in all its changes and landing into the surface. 
It was going to land in an inhabitable spot with miles of empty space around. The impact was unlike any before. It plunged into the ground, burying 81 meters into the ground. The whole time it had been continuing to add mass from its trail. When it hit, it was already double the size it had been when the freefall had started. It had added a total of 8,561 meters of total size before the locals arrived. Its shape had changed one last time before they arrived. It was a triple helix DNA spiral like the locals, but not like the originators had. Theirs was a double helix Mobius strip, which was on the base next to the handprint scanner that would match any native to the planet. They needed an emissary to speak for them to the locals. The language of math might be universal, but this target race was still planet-bound. There would be changing very soon, for they needed soldiers in the war that was coming to this part of space. This episode has been sponsored by Tabletop.land. Not sure if you want to get into making all your own full terrain sets or scatter pieces? Mm. Not sure you want to get into that 3D printing thing that everybody's doing for your own stuff, or maybe minis for that matter even. Well, there is a new web shop that is up and coming called Tabletop.land. Go check it out and see if there's anything that tickles your fancy. Or, given the time of year it is, maybe you could even pick up something for that GM of yours for Christmas. Completely on-brand creepy in a way that I can only describe as Zendetish. <laughs> well done, sir. Well, Thank you. well done. I don't try to be creepy. Do you try not to be? Sometimes. <laughs> I wasn't actually shooting for creepy with this. It just kind of turned into that, I guess. They usually yeah. do. And if you actually know anything of math, just start looking at those numbers, and it becomes very, very funny. Oh, yeah, I got that part. <laughs> yeah. All those numbers were very, very specific. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Jules, we're down to the last. <clears throat> what are you bringing us? Ahem, ahem. After finding the artifact, our populace once again seemed to find wonder in the stars and the many mysteries that it still held. Recruitment for this expedition required so many specialized experts. Archaeology, anthropology, chemistry, geologists, and countless others. Preparations for the expedition continued at a nearly frenzied pace. It would take some time to get there, even with hyperdrive. But patience was in short supply, and the expedition left Sycurian space as soon as they were able. We arrived at the system indicated, but something was wrong. There were not nine planets as previously indicated. Only four large gas giants circled a white dwarf star. The four smaller planets referenced no longer existed. 
A scan of the remaining planets revealed various structures on their localized moons, all long abandoned. Maybe information about this lost civilization could be gleaned. Many of the remaining structures appeared to be research facilities. Their technology was primitive, yet effective. They stored their data electronically, so it was an easy task to modify our light-based technology to access it. We were able to decode some of the terminology and translate a word or phrase here and there. There were seemingly innumerable variations of language, which will make universal translations a very slow endeavor. But we were able to glean some information from these storage systems. It seems that their physiology was carbon-based, and they relied on oxygen to power their many biological processes. And that makes sense. Oxygen is incredibly volatile, and it would have been an easy biological hack to use this element. They worked in groups of similar abilities, but lived in groups that seemed to have little in common. Very strange and inefficient. We found various repositories that contained an amalgamation of various sounds. We're not quite sure of their function, but there are many stored here, under a title called Playlists. But what happened to them was still a mystery. But there may be a clue nestled in the small rocks at the edge of the system. We've identified a very weak signal from one of the larger rocks. We have not been able to decipher the full data set, but we have decoded the broadcast. Final record of the ARC project. The last hope of survival for the Terran dynasty. We entrust the remaining citizens of the human empire and our future, the stars. That's cool. Oh, I'm glad you like. I also love anyone that uses arcs. <laughs> I so say we all is just kind of one of those fun ideas. Yeah. Arcs, I love the idea of arc ships. That is so cool. Yeah, I was having a, I was watching PBS space on, on YouTube. And they're talking, they were like, I was like, all right, without FTL and then, you know, hyperdrive, how the heck would we be able to colonize or, or even move beyond our solar system? And, it's like you get out to have an arc, cryogenically frozen or something. So I'm like, yeah, arc ships it is. If we're gonna leave this this ball of mud, that is pretty much how we're gonna have to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm glad you guys enjoyed. I did. <laughs> so Gardevoir, what do we got? Chrysanthemum Maxwell Delagrado the fourth. Each one of the artifacts had their own luster and special circumstance. They were legendary items, after all. I've spoken of in hushed tones around the darkened corners of the best-kept secrets of the world. The Taurus, the Battery, the Chain, the Pendant, and the other three all kept the Shadow World humming for centuries. It couldn't just be the connection to the Eidolons that populated these same Shadow Worlds, uh, kept apart from the broader world, of course. There had to be some deeper connection between the Eidolons and the artifacts. Enter Chrysanthemum Maxwell Delegrado, the fourth. Chrysanthemum, or Chrissy for those who actually meet her more than once, has been a fixture in the shadows of the world for at least half a century. 
you don't really ask certain questions since she doesn't appear to age quite as much as, as one would expect, but with the mental powers of an Eidolon fresh on your mind, a way to delay the onset of old age doesn't seem too strange anymore. Now, does it? Now, uh, Chrissy uses her control over the Blazarethian Foundation to ensure that her goals are being met. And one of these goals seems to be the collection of the various seven legendary artifacts. It should be enough to seek out even one of them. Uh, the legendary Antillian Taurus seems to pass into new hands every decade, at least. <laughs> uh, they do present themselves as a treasury beyond reckoning to all but the least aware of the true workings of the world, of course. Every government wants them, every Eidolon has felt their draw, and each and every time one is hinted to be found, Chrissy hires people to try to get it for her. It's been rumored that the Blazarethian Foundation has managed to acquire at least four of the seven and hold them in a safe storage facility on a remote aisle. You took that invitation to the remote aisle because you had to see whether it was true. You've set eyes on, on one of the artifacts years ago and had to see whether these rumors could actually have been met by Chrysanthemum Maxwell Delagrato IV. And they were. Five artifacts pulsed inside what appeared to be glass displays, each humming in its own pitch and its own tone. A chrysanthemum stood in the center of the room, two cases empty, as she let her false skin slide from the lie of her human form and invited you to sit so she could shed light on what has truly occupied your human culture for the last two millennia. Cool. I, I like that it. That was impressive. I like it. Strange things are indeed afoot at the Circle K. Right? I was just going to say that. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That is fun. And that, Zen, leaves you to bring us home. All right. Ah. The once great starfield of Cephalian Prime. Earth once had a story called The Sorcerer's Apprentice. It was cute at first, and near the end it was about showing the dangers of too much power too soon, blah blah blah. But this is the same type of issue that happens, happened with the great starfield of Cephalian Prime. Uh, it stretched across many star systems before the foundlings came to Cephalian Prime. What are the foundlings? Oh, they're the remains of a forgotten experiment by some other power in the galaxy. Nobody's really sure. But they have this uncanny ability to kitbash technology. Uh, this is not something that they think through before playing with, though. This is what makes them a plague on the galaxy. So a hundred years or so ago, they created something that is now called the Star Eater. The Star Eater is what has given us the once great star field. However, they figured out how to make a machine that can break down stars at a fast rate, then use the energy to continue to continue the destruction of more things. The part of the galaxy that surrounded Cephalian Prime was destroyed in only a matter of days. Something no one thought could possibly be done. 
while most other civilizations had a few days, most planets that were habitats were gone too fast to actually evacuate. It spread fast and in a way no one could predict. All life and light were wiped from that portion of the galaxy. Now it is just a blank, black space. Now, the worst part is that the foundlings are actually still out there. Somehow they escaped. That will be the next place they make empty because of something else that they've created. Oh, that's impressive. Pachomp, 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 pachooey, chewy, chomp. <laughs> yeah. That was damn good, sir. Damn good. So that is that is nine stat blocks, folks. Nine ideas that you can take and run with on your own, or that you can use to inspire a new idea that you yourself develop. Which, by the way, if you do, we'd love to hear what you come up with. So find us on the social medias. You know the places and all of the things. And hit us up on, on Twitter or whatnot for a Discord link if you can't find one on SeizeTheGM.com because it's there. Yes, it is. And yep, it is. Are, I, I've been trying to be more active on there. I've been sticking around and, and actually posting things on there. <laughs> but. Yay. Um, Almost. So. This, we have, after, after this episode, we are going to be, the, this represents the end of, of season five for us. Season six will be starting very soon, almost with, as if there were no delay, because it won't be. But... In that vein, I had posted up for our patrons to make a decision about what we were going to be working on for the next year. So perhaps we should back up for a moment because you're kind of skipping ahead a little, Zen. Season yeah. six is going to change a little bit. We're going to change formatting just slightly and use what we've been putting out for the last 140-some-odd episodes and build a world and campaign. So the next season, season six, is going to be spent you know, referring back to some of the older episodes and building out uh, a setting and campaign in a science fiction setting. Now, yes. what particular setting is the question? Uh, there are various uh. ways to do sci-fi, and that is the poll that uh, Zen was talking about. And I'm just hoping that one particular option didn't get it because I'm getting kind of burned out on them. So, the first, the first group we we let our patrons go through first, and they all voted, and then we decided that we would let. I, I posted it up on Twitter. And I let that run for three days. And we are going to live check this as we are going. So it has, uh, it has officially 
it has officially closed. And we had, so there were one vote for Far Future, one vote for Pre-Singularity time frame. There were zero for Mystical Future. And then there were four for Near Future. And there were five uh. for Post-Apocalyptic. And then taking into the account the Patreon counts, which count as double... We had four more votes for post-apocalyptic and two votes for mystical future. So. I really am burnt out on post-apocalyptic. I know. But that is what people have requested. So. We are going to see what we can do to shake that concept up. Because that's what we do. <laughs> so it's going to be something post-apocalyptic, but we're going to see if we can't change it up and make it something totally different than what you were expecting. Because that is way more fun than just playing into all those stereotypes. But... Let's go ahead and hit our closing remarks, and then we are going to get out of here, and we will see you guys when we start working on a post-apocalyptic setting! All right, Zen, what do you have? Okay, so I started watching Ultraman on Netflix. Oh, yeah. oh the, the reboot thing. It's not thingy? really a reboot, though. Oh, it's awesome. Well, I reboot-ish, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, it it's, is, it's, fun it's not a reboot, crazy. but it's not. No, it's, a, it's just a continuation off of that classic Japanese TV series and movies and games. And God, God there's so much stuff for Ultraman. So, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I love the character design that they've been doing and the storytelling that they've been doing in it has been really cool. It's very anime, but it is so fun. So, yeah, definitely want to check it out. There's two seasons, and I think they might have gotten a third. I'm not 100% sure on that one. But, yeah, it's a ton of fun. I've been having a blast with it. So, Jules, what you got? <clears throat> All right, uh, uh, the Pentaverate. It's silly, and it's just, it's, it's the silliest super science slash secret society parody I've seen in a very long time. Uh, it's got Mike Myers playing... Not every a role, bunch of them, but there's a lot. And there, but the thing is, like, I also like that the the type of humor is multiple layered. There's just like random out there. Okay, that's in your face, funny. There's that subtle one that'll just hit you a couple seconds later. And the best thing is Jeremy Irons 
he narrates the introduction. And it's different, it's different every time. For every and one. he scolds you if you think like you're going to skip. Jeremy Irons says you are a naughty, naughty person. And I'm like, it's Jeremy fucking Irons. I mean, yeah. dude. And to, to play a part like that, it's like, he's a phenomenal. It's like, I love the voice. He's phenomenal. But the fact he that. He scolds you, you at know, one you, point you for trying like, to skip past them. I know. It's just like, this is Jeremy Irons. You're getting art. Yeah. What the hell? You know, and I loved it. And I mean, I, I didn't know what the hell I was watching because I, I was watching, you know, like part one, part two. And I didn't know what the, exactly the heck it was on uh, on YouTube because I'm like, okay, oh. what the hell is this? And it's See, awesome. They, they and then Zippy was watching yeah, it on, on Netflix. Netflix. And I'm, you know, because I was doing, because the thing is, like, I, I was, um, uh, I, I was watching some like old Key Appeal skits and stuff like that because, well, why not? And then that came up, and and I know that like they he just did uh, something like uh, called Schmigadoon, which was a, a very big parody on like every type of musicals, and it cracked me the hell up. And so that just came up, and it, the, these were like little brief like scene segments, and I watched a bunch of them. I'm like, okay, this is interesting, and I didn't realize it was this whole that it was more of like a yeah. sketch comedy kind of a thing, you know? Do it's not, and then. Zippy started watching it. Then he told me what the oh, hell it's the an thing old was. Skit. It's an old skit say, from like early Mike Myers movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's what it was. Because the thing is, like, you know, and, and I liked it. And the thing is, like, I didn't realize exactly what I had been watching until Zippy was watching it on Netflix. And then I kind of put two and two together that I'd watched a whole bunch of these clips. But then I realized yeah. it was an actual freaking show. I just thought it was no. them just being goofballs, and I was no, laughing my brains out. No, it's hilarious, and they made, they failed though. They should have only made it five episodes. <laughs> Instead, they made it six. That was yeah. that was the one, like the one critique that I have is if they had just made it five episodes, it would have been perfect. Yeah, but for me, it's like the 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 thing is like I love Jeremy Irons. I always will love Jeremy Irons. It's so many different voices and so many different roles and so many different. He does everything from sinister to just outright goofy, like you see in the Color of Magic. So I, because I, I, I didn't know he was the announcer until I heard and Zippy's like, "Yeah, it's Jeremy Irons." And then I heard just like yep. berating yeah. the Watcher. It was great. Yep. So, you know, it, it, it isn't, it isn't, st it isn't stars and gold dust, but yeah, damn it, you'll it's laugh. Fun. So, Gordon Bajay, what do you 13. got? It popped back up on Amazon Prime Streaming, and it was one of my favorite shows to kind of hit that weird science, mysterious history sort of set of tropes. Uh, fantastic ensemble cast, electrifying chemistry, romp and a half. It also crosses over with uh, Eureka, another one of my favorites of that era, one of the high points, in my opinion, of the uh, sci-fi programming that they uh, themselves did. Yeah. Yeah, I liked Warehouse 13. Mm. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Lots and lots of fun. It's just... You know, it was it was always just kind of, you know, I I enjoyed it. It always made me. It, it, sometimes it was hilarious, and the thing is, like sometimes serious subjects. They found out that sometimes there's hilarity also to be found. I'm yep. like, 
Uh, I loved it. Yeah. It was so well Yeah, done. it was. It really, really was. So, I guess that that's a wrap, folks. So, until we come back in two weeks, have a great time and get out there and roll some dice. Play some games. And have a lot of fun. Are you still listening to us? Congratulations. You've hit the secret point of the recording. Which is bye-bye. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.